0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Perhaps you have ancestry that ties you to the Scottish Clans, or maybe you've watched Braveheart, Outlaw King, or Outlander and it piqued your interest. If you want to learn more about the leading kindreds of Scotland and answer such questions as What was a clan? How did clans function? Who was a member of a clan? How did clans begin? Do my ancestors connect to a clan? What are some cool stories from the history of the clans? Then this is the podcast for you. Uh, I'm excited to share this episode with you. It's a continuation of the last episode. That was part one. This is part two in a discussion that I had with Mike Doyle from the Clans and Dynasties YouTube channel. We had a very enjoyable visit. He's very knowledgeable, has a very a very broad base of knowledge. Uh, he's done a lot of different things in a lot of different disciplines. And so uh, but we are keeping it pretty focused on the history. Of, and in this episode specifically, we're diving into kind of the foundational elements of the Scottish clans like where where if we dig down deep, Beneath that tree, where, what, where do those roots go? Uh, we discuss such things as the ethnic foundations of Scottish clans, so like talking about the different groups in Ireland and Scotland. How much do the Scottish clans owe to Ireland versus other groups like the Picts, the Britons, the Angles, etc.? Uh, where does Scotland derive its Gaelic language from? Because there's not a consensus in the scholarly world in, on exactly where that happened. Was it brought from Ireland, or is it organic to Scotland? And how far back does Scotland's connection with Ireland go? We discuss these topics and more in this upcoming or the rest of this conversation that I'm going to turn you over to here in a a minute. If this is not the first time that you've ever joined us, if you are a repeat listener, then welcome back and thanks for spending time with me. If you're returning because you have found value in this content, feel free to leave a review or a rating on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Um, also, you can subscribe and follow and if you want to make sure that your device lets you know when the next episode is out, uh, is, has been published. And please share it with people that you think would also benefit from this information. I'll bet you know somebody who would be interested in this, whether if it's just general historical interest or if they've actually got some family connections to Scotland. And if you really like this content, you can contribute to the cause by going to scottish-clans.com forward slash team And if you're interested in an online course on the origins of the Scottish clans, like a mini college course, and you can really do a deep dive into the subject, then you can go to scottish-clans.com forward slash origins. And with that being said, let me turn you over to the rest, the part two, not the whole rest of the part of the discussion, just the part two. There will be probably a a couple more episodes of this discussion. There is more to follow, but I hope you enjoy this part of my discussion with Mike Doyle from the Clans and Dynasties channel on YouTube. Okay, you you, you mentioned a couple things in there I thought were really interesting. Like I said, every time you, you, your comments are so good that, that there's like several things embedded in there that are, you could, you could write a thesis on, on any one of them. And some of these things are things that I've, I've thought about, I put some thought about before, but not, I haven't studied all these things. One of the questions I've had in the past, you, and I, you just mentioned, mentioned this in passing, but you mentioned like the Pict, the Saxon, the Gael, Scandinavians, even later, more similar than different. And one thing mm-hmm. one question i've had for a while is so the assumption is in scotland that the gallic culture as they become dominant over these other groups in scotland that that would have they would have shared this this clan this kin-based society that you can see this cultural continuity with gaelic ireland and you can see it like much earlier in records in ireland you can see it in scotland but you can see it in scotland a little bit with the navrine Canel Lorne, Canel Comgal, what was
1: it, Ongasa, Canel Ongasa? Yeah, yeah on Ongasa, you're under. I'm, I'm the same, don't worry, my <laughs> pronunciation, even though I am born and bred here, my uh, Gaelic is terrible, and my Gaelic would be even worse. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's uh, it's something I have strive to improve but it's been patchy at best so uh, i also will apologize in advance for pronunciation
0: <laughs> and i just i just watched well thank you for making me feel better i i did watch, just watch a video with uh, i think the channel was the, the fortress of lou Yeah, another youtube channel and he he actually talked about what would have old irish have sounded like so we might be trying to superimpose the current linguistic rules on on old sounds it was a really interesting video but uh, so the assumption, so we do have those, those older Scottish kingdom, they, they preferred the name canal instead of clan, which they, they mm-hmm. would use later. And, and my understanding is actually, because it's funny, because when people base their whole idea on clan being a Gaelic thing, and if it's clan is a Gaelic word, so it's a Gaelic thing. But even amongst the Gales, I think they transitioned later in the history and started using a, something like Kine, Kine, or something like that for a the in favor of in place of clan, more in their regular use. Do you know anything about that?
1: No, I'm, I mean, a, a clan is you know it's a cute a Q, Q Celtic. It uh, comes from planta because there's no P in the in the yeah. Celtic sort of uh, sort of, uh, it's gone to clan. But uh, they see the thing is when in, in Ireland is, um, you sort of had these sort of kingdoms, uh, but that were sort of using. So you were part of, the the name of the tribe was the name of the kingdom, the name of the kingdom was the name of the tribe. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of, so they were using that, I am sort of like, I am Irish, you are American. You know, I am Kinaloan. I am, you know, it, it's not so much uh, that they they are Kinaloan as in the king group that we would know. Um, right. They are just, they are a part of that area. If they even really saw it, the uh, nationalistic arguments are kind of hard with the rise of nationalism. Um, there's like four arguments, you know, when it finded it and stuff. So um and I'm getting sidetracked. So basically um how they would have referred to themselves again goes back to sort of where you were and how important your family were. So the we have the email and we have the uh, who then become the Ken who then become another branch of them becomes the O'Neill um you know it, it it's it's again it's constantly moving and it would depend on what sort of area you want to, to look at um and these things don't happen overnight either they sort of slowly happen over 200 years and it slowly drifts to the other one and sometimes it reverts back because we bit conservative sort of takes a step back and then it goes again so yeah. it's it's a continuum to the point where we are now you know where you can sort of yeah. you know say you are
0: you know, i think my i think the help. way you explained that was will be very helpful for my based on the discussions that i've been involved in stuff that was really helpful mm-hmm. so 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 the going back there though we give the 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 dalriada the gales of dalriada and those those leading kindreds you know they say canal loran went up the great glen and so you have some of the Leading Kindreds, like the, even the one that Macbeth came from was it, once again, acknowledging that we, we don't know if those genealogies like actually they were written to tie in back into those things. Um, but we give the, those gales that like, credit for expanding that that kin based society, as John Bannerman called it all over Scotland. But but what we don't know, what, what I've wondered on is what was the social organization of the Picts or the Britons of Strathclyde were they set up in a similar way? Do you know anything about that?
1: Well, uh, first off, uh, I just want to point your sort of viewers to uh, Ewan Campbell, would sort of dis- dispute that sort of migration, yes. and yeah, he would sort of argue, yeah. yeah, he would sort of say it's, it was more of a micro-cultural transition, you know, sort of mm-hmm. the backwards and forwards from the Neolithic times, that he yes. sort of ended up in this pocket of gale and, um, you know, branch out. I read that, and then, um, that was fascinating. Yeah, um, it I be mean, true. There were Well, I I think like a lot of the people, me and sort of historians we have at the moment and the the new stuff coming out genetically and everything, I believe most of our historians are sort of there on a lot of points, not all the way there. And I don't think we ever will ever get all the way there, obviously. Um, But He's sort of there, and I agree with a lot of his assessments. Some of his other points I don't agree with, um, and I watched a lecture by Cormac uh, McBurn, Doctor Cormac McSporn, who sort of argues a little bit against uh, uh, um, you know Campbell's sort of points. So again, it's uh, none of this is when you read a historian's work, none of it's you know there is a little bit of uh, you know art, sort of a guess, but it's it, it's founded. They're well founded, obviously. Um, so. Yeah, I just want to point that first, but if we're going off the, the narrative um, of the Venerable Bede and, you know, the uh, the Irish monks and all this, the, the, the Gaels sort of invaded and sort of spread their culture around, um, we can see that there's sort of some... There must have been something, obviously. Uh, We have like Moray, the early kings of Moray are having to justify their, legitimize their rule through the King of Lorne. Um, Hudson argues that sort of they'd be using that to legitimize their rule. And then you have the um, Magalpins are sort of trying to legitimize their rule from, uh, um, I want to say they're from the the Gabran. Um, So, uh, you know, all these sort of justify, to justify your kingship in Scotland, you have to have Irish descent. So um, we can sort of say that that is maybe there's some truth in the migration. But your initial question, what was the kinship like? Well, what do we know about the pigs? I think we would say like, oh, they're tattooed, they have uh, female inheritance. Um, and they spoke, uh, I think, a Brythonic language is, is, is another argument for forward. And actually now we're learning that none, those three probably aren't true. <laughs> um, so uh, Professor Howard Williams ar- argues that there's very little evidence of Pictish <laughs> tattooing. Um, and, uh, we now think they speak a Q-Pelt, Celtic language and the matrilineal descent seems to have there may be some basis to it, but Bede's argument is the first one, but so, he sort of mentions it, um, and um, you know, coming from the old stories of the Scythians, Scythians coming across, taking Irish wives, going across. We've, I'm sure, many of your listeners have heard that story. And then Kenneth MacAlpin's legitimacy to the throne is based on his female Pictish line as well as his male, um, you know, Gaelic line. Uh, so he justifies his rule over the Picts with his matrilineal descent. Um, but it doesn't seem that that's happening widespread throughout the personic groups. They are, like the Gaels, very tribal clannish in you know, proto clans in our family groups, working together to. Sort of pass on the land the best way they can. But we see it even in the North Saxon groups as well. Did Saxons have clans? They're, they're, they're all human history has this tribalness, and these clans, whether you know whether it be the tribes of North America or you know india, they they work in a very similar way. It's a communal effort for the greater good of the community. Um, but you know as well, uh, so they're the speaking a similar language. It's the same branch. They're working in the same close-knit, proto-clan sort of ways. They're dressed in the same, they're trading with the same people. Um, They're getting on with the latest trends, wearing the latest jewellery, coming from Southern Britain or, you know, from Northern Europe. So they're... Really, there's not much, if you went from, I think I touched on this with you before, an email. if you went on a boat from Ireland and went across to Scotland, um, even if you went around the other side, you wouldn't have felt so alien. It wouldn't have been so different re- regardless of, you know, who you were.
0: So do you think we overplay, once again, going back to our desire to put everything in their in their boxes, do you think we overplay the, uh, the distinctiveness sometimes and, and to the expense of the continuity
1: that, would have been real yeah i think this has a uh, its roots in especially sort of 18th and 19th century rewriting a history um on the rise of you know sort of uh nationalism through europe uh in especially in ireland and scotland where we sit and you know this this is a byproduct especially in scotland of the jacobian uh, jacobite rebellion you know where it's sort of like Britain has to legitimise itself at the same time, you know, and sort of emphasise, and it tries to get eradicate Gale, you know, the Gale's history from Scotland, and then you have the Irish side sort of trying to over-enforce it into Scotland. And um, so we kind of have this sort of narrative being built around us um, of, like, very simplified sort of kilts and bagpipes and face paint, and, you know, these are the markers that make you your descent group. Um and really when you go back far enough, you know, it, you, you go back to the Bronze Age, you go back to you know, the Yamna sort of coming in, the Bell Beakers coming in, you know, there always there's a continuous migration of ideas and people. Um that uh and it's all happening on these two little islands. You know, the, the, it's we're not worlds apart to sort of think that they're so different. When, like I said to you, I live in a part of Northern Ireland where I can see Scotland. You know, if if I if I grew my arm muscles a bit bigger, I could probably throw stone at it. You know, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, and um, so yeah, it's there's more. They're more akin to be alike than than different. Um, uh, and I, again, we have like B trying to sort of push these arguments forward of like you know these are the groups, these are different, but. Like I said, he could have gone north to Scotland and he wouldn't have been seen as dressing weird. He maybe would have sounded weird, um, but, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't be out of place there, you know.
0: Really interesting so. points. Uh, and just to go back and touch on, we mentioned you and Campbell a minute ago. and You brought him up. And, and to, I don't know if all the I've read his his paper where he argues, but just to, for audience members who have not are not familiar with him or his arguments rather than the traditional narrative of, because if you just look it up on Wikipedia or any more any more common mainstream history sources, you'll see the traditional narrative of the Fergus Moore MacAeric and his, and he was a leader of a kingdom in Northern Ireland called Dal but he pushed across the channel there and established himself in the Southern Hebrides and, and Argyle. And that's how the Gallic or Gaelic or whatever language, Q Celtic part of the Celtic family comes over to scotland and they establish that and then it ends up being the dominant and then anyway
1: um you and but that go ahead sorry but that reason or because we now also suspect now it's not 100 percent, but we kind of suspect that the delreda were uh christening a, a brithonic group yeah who manifested their family tree to sort of be more gaelic you uh-huh. know um because uh the Delphega who were who referred themselves as the true Ulsterman who are the you know um we see the Dariada later on adopting this as well so you we're the true Ulsterman. Um you know but we know it's a later sort of um uh, affinity to it. So they they sort of adopt it because whether they knew subconsciously that they were from a Brythonic group. Uh, but, you know, they've come across a, effectively in a very basic broad stroke, effectively, they could have come from Scotland, settled in, in North East Ulster, realised the political situation, sidled up to the E Neil, tried to be more, you know, with them, said, oh, we're related wrote a few names in the family tree. Look, I'm related to Nile of Nine hostages too. And then they've turned around after a couple of, you know, a couple of hundred years with their new Gaelic sort of outlook on life and gone back to Scotland. Um, and then, like I say, the Scots, wouldn't they transition from Gael to, from Pic to Gael, would have been so minimal over a, a generation, just, a, you know, a gradual sort of adoption that, you know, they just... Uh, It wouldn't have been said because there's no records of huge battles of, you know, these cultural battles, you know, and we argue that uh, often it maybe it was just the um, elites, um, but it could have been in a very simplistic term. It could have just been picks coming across, turning gale, going back, you know, Uh, but there's other arguments to that, too. You know, we've been trading with Scotland since the Neolithic time. Um, So uh, the continuity of passing to and fro, you know, there's a really good only is that um a lot of the wealthy acts in the nail ne- the flint axes from the Neolithic time came from the Aran islands in scotland and during the bronze age a lot of the bronze being found in our <laughs> and stuff like that comes from ireland um so you know it's uh, there is a continuous movement between the two so edwin's argument is very valid in that point um that really the pig. Pick- ish sort of people would have had just as much influence on the formation of Gaelic culture in 500 BC as the proto gaels would have done on the, you know, on the Picts for their culture to sort of thrive and become what it was. So like I say, we can't just have this homogenous there, this homogenous, this confederacy of people that yeah. sort of followed the same rules. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really.
0: Thank you for, for laying that out for the, for the listeners. So. Gaelic, Gaelic, Q-Celtic m- may have may have been adopted by Picts who had settled in Northern Ireland and mm-hmm. retained their territories and spread the culture back that way, or may have turned around and gone reconquered generations later, or what was you and you and Campbell's argument was that maybe it was as organic to that part of Scotland that became da- the Scottish part of Dalrieta mm-hmm. as it was to Ireland, like it, it, and that the epity, yeah. the 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 was it the epity that the Ptolemy described was it Ptolemy that described them there, that that was a he may have had for his interpreter as he's writing names of tribes down he may have had a a Briton with him describing mm-hmm. a group of people and he uses a p where the, the natives may have used a, a, a Q or a k or a hard c sound a k, and so that would sh- shape the name of a, a pity to something that may have ended up. Later down the road, pronounced more like Yoki, which was a very popular mm-hmm. name in that in that world. Anyway,
1: yeah. So the christine groups, the, those sort of Pictish groups, were not just in Ulster; they were down in Leinster. They were all over Ireland. Yeah, um, and it just shows that. So I, yeah, uh, Edwin's, you later a, a much better knighted there, and the, like I said, the cultural sort of mix between the two groups um, over thousands of years um sort of created the the Gale but um you know there's uh there's plenty of arguments for and against obviously um but it, it just shows that it's it's not as clear-cut uh, as much as we would like to to have it sort of um and these sort of ethno-nationalistic arguments that sort of come from it um don't often help the the, the discussion but um it, it just shows that you know Really, we are more connected than we are apart.
0: I agree. Yeah, I think also you see that desire for it to be tidy amongst Americans, who mm. are looking back at their ancestry, and so where do I come from and who do I come? From. They need something to tack it down. I, I I think that that may be kind of a sometimes a bigger deal amongst us than it is amongst you all who actually still live there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I I uh, I kind of get it. Though I really do, um, as someone who lived outside of Ireland for for a lot of my formative years, I did pine for this sort of link back to, you know, the mother country, as it were, um, and I, what I, but the thing is, I think we have the similar arguments, but more on a grander scale because it's local. Um, we've kind of gone past the clan. Sort of thing, and we've gone more sort of geographical with these political boundaries. Whereas I feel that like Americans know that they can't really get involved in that because it's not really their issue. So where that they they might they've gone down another level back to the the, the base of it, um, which uh, I think is far far more simplistic. And actually, I wish it was more like that on our side, and we didn't sort of uh, get it so deep into it. But um. Well, thanks, yeah, uh, I, holding but, it against uh, us. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm a, I'm a. At the end of the day, we for the the history we have, we owe America a lot for it too. You know that they kept a lot of it alive and revived it and brought it back. So, so uh, you know, even even if any Americans out there feel like, you know, uh, they they may be overburdening some Irishmen or Scottishmen with their you know their heritage links. Um, at the end of the day, we owe you a lot too. So. Um, <laughs> If it, it's it's just part of the parcel, but I I, I for one love it, and uh, yeah. I always love the questions, um, and uh, as long as they keep it before the seventeenth century, I'm sort of happy to so sort of happy to answer.
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this part of the discussion with Mike Doyle from the S- Clans and Dynasties. Channel on YouTube. You can see he's very knowledgeable. He has a very broad base of knowledge. It was very enjoyable to visit with him. And I felt like I gained a lot out of just having the conversation with him. So I hope that you gained something out of listening to the conversation. If you have any further comments, questions, things you'd like to add, or any other communication you want to have with me personally, you can reach out at thescottishclans at gmail.com. Now, if you want to partake in the discussion, about this episode. You can go to our Facebook group, Scottish Clans. That's a group, not the page, the group. That's important because you can't have discussions on the pages as well as you can on the groups. So go to the group, Scottish Clans, on Facebook. We have a lot of people in that group who are very knowledgeable, who have contributed a lot to my understanding, there's some really sharp people on there, and of all different backgrounds and levels of study of this subject. Some people who have been studying it for years and have a very deep knowledge of this, and there's others who are just starting out, so don't feel uncomfortable if you're on the beginner end of that spectrum there. Feel free to go over there and get involved in the discussion with other people who are also listening to this podcast. But if it's me personally you want to, to get in touch with, remember it's thescottishclans at gmail.com. Um, don't forget that if you want to check out the online course or more f- uh, free resources, um, other podcast episodes, you can go to my website at Scottish Clans.com. And if you want to contribute and buy me something like the price of a drink, or like four bucks or, or, or something silly, little like that, it, all of it helps. And if you, or if there's like the price of a book on Amazon, like $30, 35 and it's a one-time, or you can be a subscriber, there's all sorts of different options you can find on there if you want to contribute to the cause, and you can do that at scottish-clans.com forward slash team. I, I do not... Um do this for the money specifically, or I would have been had to quit a long time ago. It's something I'm passionate about. And thank you for sharing this time with me and your passion on the subject. And join me next time for the more to come on this discussion I had with Mike. And until then,